Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. The Advent season is upon us. Today, we draw our attention to Mary and Elizabeth. They both went through very special pregnancies. There's a lot to learn as we consider these two ladies of the Bible. Hi everyone, my name is Jenny Sung. I'm the executive coordinator on staff and the campus pastor to The Vine. And it is such a joy to be sharing the message today in our Advent season. Um, We are in our fourth week, can you believe it? Our fourth week of Advent. Advent means arrival, the arrival of Jesus into our world. And so Advent is a time when we reflect, we ponder, and we tune our hearts towards Jesus, the birth of our Savior, the true meaning of Christmas. In our Advent Sermon series each week, we dove deeper into the identities of Jesus. Jesus says, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Light of the World, and today, our last week before Christmas week, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel speaks of the incarnation of Christ, God in the flesh. The incarnation of Christ is the meaning that God entered into humanity as a newborn child, fully human, fully divine. God with us. You know, when you think about it, it's, it's pretty incredible that the almighty God of all creation would want to be with us His will was to be among us. So God would choose to come and dwell in the midst of our humanity within a fallen world, twisted and broken from its original design. You know, it's not the Garden of Eden. It's more like, uh, sometimes resembles more like a garden of chaos, you know, twisted with death and war, sickness and injustice, tragedy, betrayal, pride, self-righteousness, and greed. So why would God choose to come down into that? Because you're here and I'm here. Because God wants to redeem and renew those he greatly loves. It would only take the greatest of love to climb down, but that is exactly what happened. Love came down for you and for me. So this Christmas, Jesus is, we're reminded that Jesus is the greatest gift the world needs. Our scripture passage today focuses on two women in the Advent story, Mary and Elizabeth. You might be quite familiar with the two. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who carried and birthed the gift of love, and Elizabeth, her relative, some say her cousin, the mother of John the Baptist, who would prepare the way to tell others about Jesus. Two heroic sisters of the faith, Two people experience the miraculous. Two faithful believers who are rejoicing in the praise of the revelation of God coming down into our world, Emmanuel, God with us. Now to give you some background to what's going on in our passage, we see the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary to deliver this message about Jesus. Will you please stand if able as we Prepare for the reading of God's holy word. This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 31 through 45. Will you listen as I read these words from the angel Gabriel to Mary? 
you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It is truly a miracle what has happened and the realization, not just as individuals, but as the people of God who have been waiting for the Messiah. When Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, she has the knowledge of Emmanuel, God with us, as Jesus, as a child that Mary is caring. And so she bursts into praise, blessed are you, blessed is the child, blessed is, is the one who have believed. This incredible joy is shared among two women who see the fullness of God coming and dwelling with humanity. This deep joy is shared together, and it says that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, probably until she gave birth. And in this time, I'm sure they had a lot to share, stories and encouragement. You know, they prayed for one another and affirmed each other's faith. Now, Elizabeth, much older in years, probably shared the details of her story, the long, long season of struggle and waiting, and the sharing of that deep faith forged in that time. I'm sure that Elizabeth was a great witness to Mary, and Mary would need to remember her cousin's long suffering and deepening of that faith in Mary's own season of struggle that was to come. I think God in his providence knew to pair these two together for the upcoming journey ahead. Now, Elizabeth's story, for those of you who don't know her story, it bore the scars of shame and disgrace. It was marked with decades of infertility as she was unable to conceive. You see, in those days, childlessness was considered a disgrace. That's why when Elizabeth became pregnant with John, she praised God saying, he has taken away my disgrace among my people. This is in Luke 1, verse 25. You see, in those days, the inability to have children was equated with sin. 
It was assumed that the reason for barrenness, it was your own doing. You know, you must have something, some kind of sin you, that you have to repent of, some sin you committed. But the Bible says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So imagine the young Zechariah and Elizabeth starting their life together. They both came from a priestly line. Elizabeth, his father, a priest, and Zechariah, himself, a priest. They had such hopeful expectations for their future. They would serve God and build a family together. But with each passing month, disappointment. With each passing year, shame and whispers from others. Each year, the reality of children faded a bit more. This infertility, this block to their dreams was a huge interruption for what they hoped for, their plans and dreams. And Elizabeth felt the years go by and by, decades upon decades. There must have been such deep sorrow in the season of waiting and longing. Maybe there are some in this room who can relate. Maybe you understand the pain of infertility. I know for me, I experienced a painful season of 12 years of infertility where I could not conceive. And I felt the growing years of sorrow just weighing down as all my friends around me began to have children of their own. And I would sit at the table and hear conversations revolve around motherhood and how their babies were growing and stories of the first tooth or the first step or the first word. And I went through seasons of self-pity and self-condemnation that I put on myself. And I hid the deep sadness inside. I did not know my future back then. But I do remember the day when I gave it all to Jesus. And I pray that no matter what the future held, his grace was sufficient for me. He was enough that I loved God. I remember the freedom and the peace that I experienced. Maybe you are walking through some season of unrealized dreams. This reality is so different than what you had hoped or imagined. You know, if we look at this room or even online, if we think of our world, it holds the countless traumas and events that interrupt and block our best laid plans how we thought our lives would turn out. But maybe an illness, an accident, perhaps a loss of a job or trauma that just drags you down and interrupts life as you know it. How are we to respond in these times? What do we do in this season of waiting, of unrealized dreams? I'm encouraged by the mentors we have in the Bible by these mentors, Elizabeth and Zechariah, where through the years and decades and decades of unanswered prayers, they responded by drawing closer to God and did not walk away. They did not know the future, that their lives were to be a part of this redemptive story, this eternal story of God, the unfolding of Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus coming into the world. They had no idea, and yet, they continue to trust and walk in faith. In the years of barrenness, they did not know that the same God who was comforting them in their sorrow 
would be the one later realized in the coming of Jesus, the Son of God. They did not know the bigger plan, the grand picture of redemption for all of humankind. Yet they remained faithful, believing in the character of God and trusting in his will. Elizabeth probably in menopause in her later years with no hope for children, continued to live her life, years in devotion to her God. Zechariah continued to serve God in the temple, performing the priestly duties, both persevered in prayer. God continued to be at the center of their lives. This is the exemplary life of loving and following God to trust him with everything you have, to trust in his will, whatever, whatever our plans may be. That's the kind of faith I hope to carry. Now, if we look at Mary's story, while Elizabeth's past held struggle and pain in her journey, Mary's was just about to begin. While Elizabeth was quite older, Mary was a young woman, some even say in her teens with, teens with her whole life ahead of her. In an Advent devotional by Christianity Today, teaching pastor Russell Berry described the incarnation as an interruption. And you know, when I first read that, I was just like, I was shocked. It's like, you know, uh, we usually see the incarnation as this incredible, wonderful, amazing thing. God becoming flesh and entering into our world, baby Jesus. So why would it be called an interruption? Pastor Barry writes, the incarnation meant a major interruption in Mary's life. It was wonderful, yes, but it was also weighty. Something had happened in the history of the world that had never happened before, and she needed support and help to accept and prepare for it. And then I thought about Mary's reality, and I remembered, all right. Mary, a virgin, was engaged to Joseph with her whole life before her. Pregnant and unmarried was probably not the plan Mary or her family or Joseph had in mind, and who in their logical mind would believe how Mary conceived? When Joseph first found out about the pregnancy, he wanted to leave her until the angel Gabriel told him. Pregnancy before marriage would bring dishonor to the family, to the whole clan even. And as a young woman facing judgment and shame from her family and from the world around her, this would not be an easy road for Mary. Now, I don't know how long Mary pondered or if she hesitated long before her response to Gabriel. But we see no other exchange being recorded before her final ending words. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. May God's will be done. The same line in the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. The same prayer of Jesus to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yet not, my, yet not my will, but your will be done. In the Advent devotional, Pastor Barry continues to write about the interruption of the incarnation as an invitation, an invitation to know Jesus in a deeper way, 
to grow deeper in faith and trust, to grow deeper in our faith community with one another. Interruptions can be invitations to draw closer to Jesus. The invitation of the incarnation takes all of our interruptions and circumstances in our lives, and it turns it into opportunities. How is Jesus present in these interruptions? Could we see as what we see as interruptions and disruptions in our day? Could those be invitations to experience God's presence, to be transformed more and more into his image? Could the interruptions be an invitation to grow more in the fruit of the Spirit, more love, joy, peace, more patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, more gentleness, more self-control? Could we have these gifts blossom more fully in our lives? And what kind of wholeness and freedom could that bring? One of my favorite stories in the Bible it's the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. Now, this woman is an outcast on so many levels. First of all, she's a Samaritan. And as Samaritans were sort of despised and looked down upon by Jews, didn't associate with them. Second, she was a woman. Women back then were seen as second-class citizens, even property maybe. Number three, a woman living in sin with a man who was not her husband. The lowest of lows, shunned, rejected. No one wanted to be around this woman except Jesus. At our midweek gatherings at the Vine, we've been watching weekly episodes of the series called The Chosen. You've heard many of us mention The Chosen. It's a series depicting the life and ministry of Jesus and his disciples, and you can just Find it free on the internet if you Google it, The Chosen. Now, one of these episodes, they show the scene of the woman at the well who is transformed by an invitation from Jesus. Would you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan? And a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out you in the heat. So you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say, if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would, except that you have nothing to throw water with and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? 
long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water, hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank Him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Powerful, powerful words. Jesus is at the well. And he interrupts the woman at the well and asks her, can I have a drink of water? She didn't know it, but he was waiting for her. And he wanted to give her living water. You know, we see that she has this tough exterior hiding all the pain and all the sorrow she's carrying. She's used to hiding and masking. She even tries to argue with him. And if you read the scripture, there is like this argument. But ultimately, she realizes that Jesus is the Messiah, and it completely changes her. When you go on and read this story, you see that she runs back, runs back and shares the good news of Jesus with everyone in the town, and the whole town goes to follow Jesus. She is a new creation in Christ, accepted, loved, and forgiven by God, she then becomes the greatest evangelist in her town. An invitation to know Jesus completely changed a person and moved her from isolation and brokenness to healing and wholeness, a life back into community, worshiping her God. How often do we push away? 
Do we ignore the invitation for God to work in our lives? How often do we see the events and the struggles as interruptions to our plans? Is it possible? Is it maybe possible that interruptions can be something more? Can we trust in God's bigger plan? It was Pastor Steve who last week shared about the power of more. He mentioned more in a sermon, the significance of more with God. He said, God's light helps us to see there is more to things than what I'm looking at right in front of me. God's light can be trusted more than the darkness around us. There is more when we choose to trust in God. And we heard the beautiful story of the butlers today when Danny shared about the uncertainty. And we can only imagine like the surprise of baby three, right, of baby Aiden. And there were so many job changes and uncertainty before them, but they remained faithful to the invitation to lead into God's presence, to lean on God's ways and not their own and to trust him. And I love what Danny shared at the end. It is up to him and his timeline what happens next. And it is incumbent upon us to remain faithful to his guidance. Wow, that is heroic faith. It takes a different mindset. When life brings unexpected changes and challenges, even suffering, can we see them as more than interruptions to our plans, but ask God, God, how is this an invitation? How is this an invitation for me to experience you more fully in my life? Who am I becoming? And how can I lean in more into your presence? It was writer and theologian Henry Nouwen who wrote about interruptions and suffering in his book, Turn My Morning Into Dancing. He said, I'm less likely to deny my suffering when I learn how God uses it to mold me and draw me closer to him. I will be less likely to see my pains as interruptions to my plans and more able to see them as the means for God to make me ready to receive him. I let Christ live near my hurts and distractions. I remember an old priest who one day said to me, I've always been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted. And then I realized that the interruptions were my work. The unpleasant things, the hard moments, the unexpected setbacks carry more potential than we usually realize. For the movement from Palm Sunday to Easter takes us from the easy victory built on small dreams and illusions to the hard victory offered by God who waits to purify us by his patient, caring hand. The incarnation may have been an interruption for Mary and her plans. And Elizabeth could have grown bitter and hardened by the seasons of barrenness but instead they trusted in the patient, caring hand of the Father. Doesn't mean that their lives were easy and struggle-free, but they trusted in the more, that God could be trusted more than their situation. 
So may their stories that surround the nativity back then remind us even today, God continues to be with you and me. God is with us. Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Light of the World, Emmanuel. In this blessed Advent season, where the fullness of God came to dwell with you and me, we can lean into his love and faithfulness. We can trust in him. We don't have to do it alone. Jesus, the gift of love, came into the world and he offers himself to you. He may be asking for that drink of water today and he so much wants to give you that living water to refresh your soul. He's inviting you to lean in deeper into his presence. Now, if you have never prayed to invite Jesus into your life, and this is something new to you, perhaps today is the day when you can invite him. Invite him to be. Invite him into your life, into your heart. All it takes is just a very simple prayer. It's not elaborate. And maybe for those of us here, we've said yes to Jesus a while back, but we're parched and we need a fresh drink of his living water. And we want to invite him in and ask, you walk with me. Can I lean into you? I want to experience your presence in a deeper way today. So if that's you, we just bow your heads and pray with me. As we close, let's prepare our hearts and just pray together to receive Jesus as Emmanuel this Advent season. Come, Lord Jesus, our Emmanuel, we draw near to you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that you're with us and you always offer us that drink of living water that only you can give in this dry and parched land. We want to draw near to you. Lord, I'm sorry for the ways that I've rejected you, that I've ignored you or turned away. Thank you for always, always receiving us with open arms, for seeking us out. Will you forgive me? I want to draw near to you. I want to invite you into my life and receive you. Thank you for dying for my sins on the cross. Thank you for loving me. Will you come into my heart and be at the center? I long to walk with you each and every day. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, please stand as I, I close with a benediction. Receive this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Merry Christmas, everybody. See you Christmas Eve. Life is full of interruptions, both big and small. They are all a part of God's divine plan. Our best effort will be to continually lean into God's will for our lives. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, please visit the websites fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. And you can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Prez for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at The Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through our websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Press, especially during this busy Christmas season. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Press can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.